For the latest news covering the entire tabletop role-playing industry, turn to Roleplayers Chronicle at roleplayerschronicle.com. This is Ross Bain with Roleplaying Public Radio. This is RPPR episode 77, Gen Con 2012 wrap-up. And with me, as always, is Mr. Tom Church. I am. A, it's weird. It's, it's like Gen Con like, sapped a little of the announcer voice out of you. It didn't kick in until like halfway through that opening. I... It's just it's it's a thing, Tom. It's an intuitive thing. I can't and see, and what... me bitching is is my thing. Yeah, it we is. Uh, we each have a thing here. <laughs> Clearly, that's what the listeners want. I mean, that, is this, things uh, is this kind of great rapport that we have? You know, uh, so, yes, indeed. Because you know, uh, the big news, of course, is that we won best podcast at the Innies this year. Damn right at Gen Con 2012. So we had. Uh, I'll talk more about that later on uh, about the other nominees. I want to give them all a great shout but, out. Most importantly, uh, the people we have won. spoken. The people have spoken. The <laughs> listeners have spoken, and we won. I want to thank all the listeners out there uh, that voted for us. Uh, it means a lot. You know, we've been doing this for like five years now, and it's just very humbling to actually get you know an award, uh, accolades, and yeah. recognition. It's like we do this, you know, at my house, and it's. Just, I mean, I guarantee you, we're not going to let it go to our heads or anything. Yes. Even though, you know, Ross has been wearing the metal, the, metal, yes, the yes. child-sized metal. <laughs> well, the metal itself is fine. It's the, the, the ribbon they mm-hmm. put it on. I know there's video of it somewhere, but it wouldn't fit around my head. So it was just, I I totally blanked on the speech. It was embarrassing, uh, but, it, you know, great at the same time. I just, I, I, I don't even know. What but yeah, but been, you weren't even there, Tom, so you don't even know. You'll just have to use your imagination to figure that out. I, I have to bring I, this up. You know, this again, this is about our rapport. Yeah, know. well, I was off talking with some lively peers about games and things we love. Yes. So, so forgive me for doing that, Ross. Yes, at the one time you could receive national, international recognition for all your years of podcasting. But, you know, not that, you know, I'm bitter or anything. You're not. No, you no. got all the glory. <laughs> oh, don't I, even don't. Oh, don't even try to play. Oh, I see. This isn't about you not wanting to stand in front of everybody. And be like, hey, I'm Tom. Everybody, what's going on? Well, I, okay. I mean, we could have had a kind of a cool John Stewart and uh, yeah. Stephen Colbert thing going on. Oh my God, Tom. Jesus. Now I wish you had been there. We could have done that. So I could actually. Thank you, godless heathens. Oh my God. Yeah. You didn't. Oh, see now. Oh, okay, until then, I was Ross. like, okay with you. Okay, Ross. Now I'm like, Ross. Oh how about? Okay, we have a video. Give me one of my life We have a events. video camera. Yeah, I say we actually film some. You know, you know, the our, fake award ceremony. No, the the various acceptance speeches we could have done. Yeah, I see. Yeah, that's what I think we should do. I see. We yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'll have to get a podium or something. But yeah, at some point we'll probably try to do that. Uh, at least you can. So you know you can write. A well, great... it, it, you have to be there, Rob. I already gave an award speech. In or pop- even better, fine. I could have Aaron be there as like and as and yeah, I would have let Aaron come. And, well, and playing the part of Ross Payton will be Aaron. Oh, I see so how it is. I will give him the instruction. He has to act 
like you. I see. I see. I don't know if that Aaron has it in him. I don't think. I he, think. I think. I don't he, think he has that. He's got the darkness. chops. He's I, got the chops. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, hi, Aaron, who just walked in uh, during recording. How are you doing? Hi, internet listeners. Um, so, anyways, uh, <laughs> clearly. This is uh, what the listeners will like. Um, so give we, them what they uh, want. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, uh, we've already I've already started posting video. I, speaking of the video camera, uh, I went around at Gen Con this year and I asked a bunch of game designers and writers and podcasters uh, what they would do if they had the tr- uh, Oregon Trail video game license and what kind of role playing game they would make out of that. Uh, this was sort of like you know, ask them all the same questions, see how they would respond. And so I got a bunch of different responses, and I'm going to put those up, uh, hopefully all of them up by the time you hear this episode. Uh, so uh, each video is only like a long. So, yeah, it's it's great. You get Adam Scott Glancy, Kenneth Height, uh, Shane Ivey, Dennis Detwiller. Uh, so just a bunch of Robin Laws, uh, a bunch of different game designers uh, ask, answering this question. And there are some crazy fucking answers they come up with just off the top of their heads. I mean... Because they are crazy people. Yeah, well, clearly. They're insane. Yeah. Being a tabletop game designer, you kind of, yeah. You you trade your sanity for, you know, writing. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we, we, we also have a lot of uh, content we've recorded, obviously, for Gen Con. Uh, we have panels. Uh, there will be a Delta Green panel put up on Unspeakable. Obviously, I did a panel on zombies. Uh, you know, wow. I know, right? What a stretch. With the uh, uh, the creator of All Flesh Must Be Eaten uh, and uh, <clears throat> Kenneth Height and Dennis Detwiller. Uh, I'm sorry. It was the All Flesh Must Be Eaten guys, George... Uh, I cannot pronounce the last name. I'm, I'm a horrible monster. It's like George uh, Vekanos or something like that. I know. I just It's a Greek name. But anyways, he's a great guy. I talked to him. Uh, if I had a copy of it, I might give it a try. Yeah, of All Flesh Must Be Eaten? No, or of uh, the guy's last name. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll, I'll have it up uh, on, on the website. <clears throat> I have his business card over there, so don't worry about it. Um, but anyways, we got, we got a lot of stuff. Uh, Shadows of Esteron game. Uh, Scott Glancy did a World War One Cthulhu called Cthulhu game. We did it in a conference room. It was very quiet, so it's a perfect recording. No background ambient noise. Six hour game, by the way, fucking epic. Yeah, though I think um, the that actual locations. I know we met. We might have met, probably mentioned it last year, but that location we came to Columbia bears, Club. It bears uh, repeating. Circle. Yes, it's pretty pretty epic. Uh, <clears throat> pretty pretty for the win. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff coming. Uh, so in this episode, we're going to be going over a lot of this. Uh, what we got, what we did. I got a bunch of game, new games at Gen Con, so I will be running these during the fall. Uh, and so I'll talk more about that as as we go on. Yes, during the so, fall. So uh, as the Titans are attacking, yeah. Ross will be running these games. Yeah, well, 2012, December 2012, the end of the world. Uh, so hopefully you get to hear nice black agents before the world ends. So uh, I guess that's a bit about it for the news. So why don't we go on with the... What uh, we did. Yeah, what we actually did. So well, Tom, first and foremost, we yeah. s- I spent a lot of money. You did? Oh, yeah. All right. What'd you get? Or what? What? What are the highlights of this money spending? Well, first of all, I have to say, getting you know, getting a new uh, Eclipse Phase book when it first comes out, it's always a very lovely thing. Oh uh, yeah, so I yeah. bought I bought Rimward. Rimward. Yes, I bought two copies. I I gave Caleb a copy because I'm a nice guy. But well, didn't he pay you back? Yeah, he did. Yeah, so you didn't really give it; you just bought it for him. I bought it for him, <laughs> but I still handed this, it to this him. Like two a, different words. Well, I handed it to him like a gift. It made me feel like a great. person. But then person. he gave you money for it, making it not a gift. That's how that works. I, uh, 
for for ten seconds, I had a glorious time. <laughs> okay, you got that temporary. Then, then the that mon- karma. Then the monstrous thing came back, yeah, and I took money. The whole yeah. But no, it's I've been I've been reading through it. There's you know it's it's an eclipse phase book, so you get a lot of book for your buck. Yeah, there's a lot of studying material for it. Uh, it is uh, the, by rimward, the, rimward. They mean the outer half beyond of the Mars. Sun. Yeah, beyond the basically the asteroid belt. To Pluto, to Pluto, to all and the way beyond. To, yeah, to uh, all the way to the Oort cloud, to the edge of the solar system, to the furthest man-made object in the eclipse phase setting. So they have a whole section about all the satellites they've sent out to the fucking deep space, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they also have big uh, write-ups of the. Uh, have you read the Jovian <clears throat> Republic yet, or the yeah. Ultimates? Uh, what do you think? Something I think it's. I think that alone is a system worth. You could do a campaign in that alone. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, yeah, Ultimates, I. They're interesting. I don't know if I'd hang out with them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kind of, kind of. A little intense. A little intense. There you go. So uh, this is the same. Obviously, it's the same as the PDF in terms of content. So if you already got the PDF, uh, we're not spoiling anything for you. But the book itself is beautiful. You know, oh, yeah. hardcover, full great color. Work, great artwork. Yeah, great artwork. Uh, so uh, some great- they also had some print-on-demand versions of their PDFs. I picked up the NPC files uh, mm-hmm. for only ten bucks. I saw so, that. Yeah, that's going to be really useful. Uh, so uh, if you're thinking about the quality of the print-on-demand versions, it, it it's fine. So if you don't want to have to flip through a PDF to look at the stats, uh, I would recommend that. Recommend that. Uh, so that was your big purchase for Jenkins. That was the, that was the uh, biggest one. Biggest one. I mean, it was the most expensive book that I also picked up. Uh, well, I might as well go ahead and just get this right out here. Yeah. Yes, I bought a Palladium book. I bought. And we talked about this, Tom. Yes, I know. Like, we, like, I know what's coming out of your mouth now, Ross. I know. So. This is like the third time I've told you, but the listeners, it's going to be new. If you haven't heard it, it's new. So when I saw Tom in our hotel room, because you know we were buying a four room to like save on costs, it was like for me, it was looking at a former junkie shooting up again. It was like you relapsed. Because you have relapsed. No, Ross, and I just totally disagree with you. You because you're in denial. That's no, exactly Ross. What you saw me you. buy some smack. In this case, a book. <laughs> it's all. I only, it's only a relapse if I start running it, which I guarantee which is you is coming. Which is going no, it, Ross. I I would bet you a great sum of money that it's not coming. Uh, um, you've been you've been playing this in a, and no. that's, even reading it in the room. You're shooting up alone. No, right you yeah you you because you just told me right before we started recording. It's a beautiful setting. You love your father. I've said that you're about getting hooked. Again. I've said that about Palladium for years. That I love their settings. But now it's fresh. It's in your mind. It's in your hand. The temptation is going to you're going to like try and justify. It. You're going to be like I'll run in a different system. It'll be good this time. But no, the awfulness of Palladium transcends systems tom it's a basilisk hack for games it's i go- disagree with you completely on well that. you're gonna and you're gonna we're gonna wind up you know you're gonna be in some room somewhere with all the lights turned off and you're huddling the holding the rule book in a fetal position and there's blood everywhere and we don't even know where the blood came from that's what's gonna happen tom. okay now you're confusing me <laughs> where, where does this fantasy come from that's that, that's happens i've seen it time and time again it's palladium tom I think you're overreacting just a tad, Ross. I mean, I tried. Okay, I don't like. We got uh, two writers from Palladium to do the Oregon Trail question. Uh, Brandon Aaron and Wayne Smith, and they they had a good answer. I already put it on the, in the video. Mm-hmm. But I asked Kevin Symbieta the mm-hmm. question about Oregon. He didn't know what the Oregon Trail was. He didn't know what the Oregon Trail video game was. So you have to ask yourself. He's the brains behind Palladium. What kind of man is he that he doesn't know that? Exactly. You're, you're what else of- did you buy, Ross? 
<laughs> well, what, before we get into the purchases, why don't we talk a little bit on what we did? Um, so Okay, fine, if you want to go that way. Because Bes- I know, but, you know, but besides, look at me with shame. Apparently, with fear, because I know, and just like resentment that sooner or later I'm going to have to bail you out somehow. You never had to baby bail me out the first time. I wasn't there. I'm sorry, okay? Yes, you were. You were there in high school when we were playing it. I, we were playing it, I Ross. I like that. That's oh, a, you were there. That's a blank In fact, as I recall, you spot. ran it more than anyone else did. I don't even know. You're oh, yeah. Oh, you were there. Oh, that's why I know why this is going to just turn up to be a tragedy. We almost broke Caleb running it ironically. Okay, no, no, Ross, no. We were Duke and Gonzo driving to Vegas, I see. shooting up uh-huh. with Palladium back in high school. Yeah, I see. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, anyways, the Hordes. How's that? Oh, yeah, the Hordes game. That was good. Yeah, yeah I played Privateer uh, Press. Privateer Press. So uh, describe it for the listeners. It's essentially, it's a, it's a, min- it's a miniatures game, much like, uh, like Warhammer 40K, except all the armies are, all the armies and units are really cool monsters, and you know me and monsters. Yeah. Love them. Yeah. I was doing uh, the troll, you know, the troll armies, like Trollkin and things like that. Yeah. Are the plastics mini or pewter? Or plastic or... Uh, They're plastic. Uh, plastic. All right. I have it really well Are they done. pre-painted or do you have to paint them yourself? Uh, the ones that I had, if they were pre, if they weren't pre-painted, they were all painted. All right. I didn't buy any of them. Right, right, right. But, but you know, it was, it was fun. I wanted like, well, I'm here. I'm going to try it. Was it this just a demo in the game hall, or they, yeah, it was, in, a, it was in the game hall. All right. It was it was like a quick twenty minute thing I did. So, what did you think of the rules? Very simple. It definitely brought me back to uh, Warhammer. Yeah. Although it looks like Hordes is a lot less expensive a hobby than Warhammer is. Right. I've heard that too. Um, so do you think you would try to uh, play it again? Like, would you spend money on I don't know if I would actually... Like, if you could get pre-painted minis if you don't have to paint anything or do anything? That's... I don't know if I'd spend money amused. on this. Because I, I don't know a lot of people that still play minis. I would play minis. Remember, like, when we... I, you know, Sean and I went through our I, I drove phase. you there. Yeah, we had to drag you into it, and you only reluctantly did you even play. Simply, be, you and acquiesced. I won, and you I gave I, up more than you actually wanted to play. And I won my second game. I know you did, you know, because you're Tom and you roll like Tom, but you know. No, it was also I. No, I was playing against Sean, and I was totally going against my character. I yeah. just relentlessly attacked him. I see. I didn't do that. Yeah. So you wouldn't. You, so if, if I had someone if, to play with, maybe I could see myself get like buying. Because I like playing minis. They're che- okay. The the minis are cheaper than Warhammer. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So so that. if I bought a starter set for minis, would you buy a starter set and play? I, we just you just come over. We play on the kitchen table or something like that. Or whatever. yeah, I do that. You would. I would do that. You're committing to that. Yeah. All right. We'll do that then. Okay. Fine. We'll play. We'll record. We'll go get them at the same time. Yeah. It'll yeah. be great and it'll be fun. It better be. Yeah. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so, Aaron, uh, any uh, good Gen experiences? Oh, if I can get the seats. Yeah, yeah. You can. You can lean down. No. Okay. Well. Anyways, give up your seat, Ross. I have to run the the, the recording or yeah, whatever. You, so you're, you're not even you have you're not even looking at. There he goes. And he yeah. just looked at Fine, it. Yeah. I'll go in the other room and pick up a goddamn seat. <laughs> <laughs> any winner, best podcast of 2012. I got Aaron to swear. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, I'm awesome because you're you're you're. I'm a, like, your horrible I'm, monsterness is just. I, I've become one by being around you. Yeah. Those that deal with monsters must take care not to become monsters themselves. All right. So we we'll talk about the World War One Cthulhu game and the Shadows Vestering game later on. Uh, especially for the anecdote, um, but we did uh, have that. So, uh, any other experiences like you did on your own? Did you demo any new games or anything uh, like that? There's all, yeah, there's one, uh, the King of Tokyo. 
It's a, kind of a, a like giant monsters attacking Tokyo type game. All right. Yeah, it was. It was kind of like uh, King Mos- or Kings of Tokyo. King of uh, the K- King of Tokyo. King of Tokyo. Right. And it's it's kind of like uh, Monster Apocalypse that came out a few years ago. Right. You know, basically, you know, you're a monster, destroy the city, become the king. All right. And it was fun. I don't know that one. I don't know if I'd spend money on. Okay. But it was, but it was a free demo game. So what the heck? Yeah. All right. So Aaron, what about you? Any other experiences that you did on your own that were not necessary with the group? So um, yeah, actually, uh, for uh, those listeners who weren't at Gen Con this year, uh, I ended up running three games for Arc Dream, like I did last year for my uh, GM's badge. I did one game of Nim for uh, those who missed out on it, and I'll probably end up doing that again because same I have, basic plot as the one on the yeah, actual place. Yeah, exactly, exactly same base one I did it before. So yeah, if you want to know how that ran, listen to our our recording of it. Yeah, um, I also did two runnings of a new scenario that I wrote in Monsters and Other Childish Things called the Junkyard on the Edge of Forever. Um, essentially, it was basically a time travel story where I well we'll, we'll have yeah, it on the actual yeah, play site. So how did the how too. did the players go? How did they handle? Uh, they actually handled the first group handled it. Really Really well, though uh, they brought up a, a good point to basically have something to designate between when the kids were, when the players were in 1985 and when they're in 2012. Oh, time before, travel! Yeah, so it, it worked out pretty well, and I actually ended up using the uh, the watch that Tom bought over uh, bought me for uh, over at the Doctor Who booth for that, since it cool. made sense. No, second group took it completely, and I it shocked the hell out of me when the game ended. I actually it said, well, how'd you like it? And they applauded all of them. So I'm sitting here going, holy shit. Nice. Um, I would like to point out that the entire time before the first Gen Company ran his game, Aaron was worrying like hell. Like, am I like, they're not, I don't know if I like this game. I don't know if it's ready. And like, just all the time. Then it came out. And like, and I actually looked at him like, went well, didn't it? Like, didn't have a single problem, did you? No. Yeah, but uh, that's that's just me. But that's like having the, it, my own issues again for that part. Um, but other experiences too. Uh, there is something that I may go ahead and put it in the link now that uh, Thad has received it. Um, while I was there, I ended up running into a gentleman named Nicholas Briggs. For any Doctor Who fans out there, will recognize that as the voice of the Daleks. He was at Gen Con this year at the uh, Who North America booth, and I uh, managed to have him record a small message for Thad. Now that he's o- over in China, as kind of a that's like a gift, your first week in a foreign country gift. Right. So uh, I, I may go ahead and put uh, link that up to the site at some point now that he's seen it and it's all public. Um, but anything else? Uh, oh, I <laughs> any demos or anything? Uh, actually, yeah, I did. Hor- I'm a horrible person. I did try out the uh, Naruto CCG just because they were giving free packs away, and I am horribly. I'm hoarding free okay. shit, so it was all right. It's just a general. That's like general CCG. Everything else is based off of magic as well. So, um, but other things, yeah. I, I, like mostly, mostly just running the games. I was in the Adam Scott Glancy game, which yeah, that was. We'll, we'll get to in the anecdote. Part. Yeah, that was tons of fun. So. Um, also uh, played in the Shadows of Erebron game as well, which was Esterin. Oh, Esterin. I'm sorry, Esterin. Sorry, Esterin. Esterin. I keep screwing that up. Um, yeah, do. It is a French game. So it was a French game. So, but it was a lot of fun when we did it. Oh, it was. Um, very fun, yeah. And then I was thinking of anything else. Uh, oh yeah, just out of my. I actually only bought two things. But I, actually, I was comp two books for. Uh, uh, doing stuff, I got. I finally picked up my copy of Wild Talent so I could stop hoarding Ross's copy, which 
yeah. I meant to bring back. And uh, oh, thanks, a, yeah. a new game that we should uh, hopefully we'll get to play called Godlike, which I'm really looking forward yeah, to. Yeah, I finally picked up. That was the one art dream game I didn't have, and so I finally bought one. Or I finally got one because I ran two games too, and it's interesting hearing your experiences um, because you know I, I actually can sympathize with that because you know especially when you run a new scenario, one you haven't run uh, very much, it's always a little nerve wracking because am I totally just going to crash and fucking burn? Yeah, I remember the first year I ran Wild Talents. Like my first game of Wild Talents was at Gen Con. I didn't run it for you guys at home before I ran it. Oh, okay. yeah. So like I was just. Like, oh, let's take off the safety belt, hands off the wheels, and just hit the gas pedal. You know, it was just... Uh, but it worked well. I mean, it was a fortunate accident, um, or you know, I, I didn't cra- I didn't crash and burn. So I understand that kind of uh, anxiety. Uh, but this year, I ran. That's why this year I just ran games I'd run before. And for me, you know, uh, I ran Sucrose Park, you know, obviously from Road Trip, yeah. and uh, Cape Cannibals and other zombies uh, from Wild Talents, which I, both are on the actual play side. And both of those scenarios, I've run at least six times. Each one, you know, for mostly at cons and. For me, it's really interesting. I don't think many GMs actually run the same scenario more than once or maybe twice. So running the same scenario like six times, you know, it gives you a very different perspective on it. You know, because you you get different reactions from you, especially with different play groups. You get really different like uh, scenarios where you know players decide to are more ca- one group is more cautious than the others. One's more ambitious. One jumps on the plot really quickly. Others just you know. Fucking go off into the wilderness beyond, you know, here be dragons. Like, where the fuck are you going? So, yeah, which for, is for me, uh, it was really fun because I got to add new elements that I hadn't really done before. And uh, so, like, just just for all you GMs out there, I would think about running the same scenarios that you've run before. Try and build up to where you have these scenarios. Like, I had a player who signed up, who ran, who this was his second time playing Sucrose Park, and he enjoyed it because, like, yeah, we didn't encounter that NPC last time. I don't know what the hell is going on with that. It's like, ha So, like, even though he had played in it before, he was a fan of the podcast. He did not meet that guy that I had put in the book. That's in the book that I just you know usually don't have the players show up, and now he like, ha ha. I'm going to fuck with you, brain fuckle you with this guy. And like <laughs> it, it I, I have the rhythm down really well now. And I think it really works as a, a scenario. So it's uh, for all you dreams out there. It, it's a, it's a, it's a valuable learning experience. Cause then you think about your time and your pacing for all scenarios. Uh, once you get that kind of perspective on a single scenario, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. 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 And, and, and considering Practice my makes games, perfect in other words. Yeah. And, and considering with my games, cause originally I came up with the idea of running a, a more traditional monsters game because uh, I didn't want to run all three Nim games again because I kind of thought it would make you a little bit of a cheat. But um, well, again, but, you're, most of the people aren't going to sign up for the same game twice, twice. in the same year. Yeah, so, like, so I you're getting like there were forty one thousand people at Gen Con this year. I don't think you have to worry about the same six so- showing up every time. Like, although I'm getting I am getting repeat customers now for the last no, like, three years, great. which is great. Which is yeah. great. I'm having fun. Um, but no, in the the case of Nim, um, it actually helped out in this case because there was one thing with the uh, if you listen to the to, to the actual play um there's an issue with the spirits and nicodemus contacting the mystic yeah but i realized that the last time i played it he was going oh wait this is only the mystic hearing this crap everybody else is sitting in a room technically going what the hell's happening yeah so i actually came up with a little other idea saying oh wait oh it hits the mystics all the other spirits start stretching out and hit every all the players now everybody can learn the story so yeah which is a nice See, yeah thing. you it's, learn new things you learn how to like delve out information more how to make fine-tuned scenarios or encounters and 
Uh, so yeah. Anyways, um, any other highlights of the actual comp before we get into what we got? Or because I've got a bunch oh, of things. So yeah. yeah. Um, well, yeah. Just uh, if we're going to the, I'll just get my two things that I bought out of the way. Right. I finally bought a copy of Eclipse Phase, which makes a lot of sense. The now main that, book, yeah. Yeah, the main book. Now that no evil is finished. Yeah, don't spoil so. anything. We, no, we, no. If, yeah. Bleep. So yeah. uh, no, that, uh, that's finished, but hopefully I'll get to use it again. And yeah, uh, uh, Rob, I'm trying to remember his name. Um, Rob from where? Uh, from the, what? The, uh, tri- uh, from Post Human. Uh, that would be Rob Boyle. Boyle, thank you. Sorry, I'm trying to remember his last name. Signed my book. I talked to him for a little bit. Yeah. And, and I, he is aware of Cyrock and actually wrote in my book, Hope You Avoid Extinction. So Yeah. And uh, the only other thing I, I bought for myself was the uh, first release of the color copy of uh, Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life. So okay. since I passed by the booth and, they, and, they, and some guy said, Scott Pil- Pilgrim in color. You had me at hello. So. <laughs> I also picked up a copy of the card game Gother Than Thou. Oh, yeah. Um, I think we've run that. I've, I know I've played that at some point. Um, I don't know if you played it or not, but it's definitely uh, a fun game, a fun yeah. little. It's not quite, it's not, we didn't play test at all, uh, play test this at all, but it, no. it's definitely fun. Yeah. Have you actually gotten to play it yet? Yeah, I played it once with Sean years ago. Okay, but you haven't played it now recently. No, all right. But I, I, it sounds like it's a, it was a fun game when I remember. Last yeah, I remember. no, I think I got my copy of Gen Con too. It was cheap. Yeah, I also got a GM screen and a, and a world map for the Shard RPG. Yeah. Um. Okay, that's cool. Uh. Oh, one thing I want to mention. I actually picked up a couple of used things. Uh, speaking of Gotham and that, that kind of thing. Um. There's uh one thing I always love. I never I seldom buy things, but the exhibit always has these great deals. Like buy one get three free. Oh, I've, I, yeah, that yeah. Place, yeah. Or everything is five dollars. You know, and so you can get all the most of it's from the you know the early two thousands D twenty glut. You know, yeah. most of it's crap, but like, there's every once in a while a gym, and I've gotten some, I've gotten some good deals. Yeah. That. Is that that's where you got me the uh, AD and D version of the Keep last year? Yeah, 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 yeah. I just saw that. I was like, oh, Tom would like that, and he, you were right. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing, uh, I this first year I've ever done because I was reading. There's a thread on. Uh, there was a thread on Gen Con. Uh, on the something awful forums, and somebody can say, "Hey, check out the auction house. There's all kinds of cool shit here." I was like, "Auction house? Huh? All right, I'll go show." No, so I looked through it, and there's a lot of cool stuff there. And I was there on Saturday, so like probably most of the stuff I've already been picked through. But for five dollars, I got a copy of the Law and Order card game. Wow. Yeah. So detective card game. I haven't even read the fucking rules, but and it's a battered box, it. and it's you know like the worst cast is like Fontana, and you know Sam Warson's still there, obviously, but like. Like, uh, I can't remember the other detective, but like, it's not the best lineup that Law and Order. I've watched all of Law and Order, you know. I, Everyone yeah. has. No, not everybody. Everyone I know. Yeah, yeah. you have. Uh, so, not you. I'm so for five you. bucks, it was worth five bucks. And I also got something called All Things Zombies, which, you know, I don't. What about that? Um one space station parasite game. Well, that I bought new. That's Panic Station, uh, and that was from Stronghold Games. And we'll have to play an actual game of it. Now we that, that not just learn. Yeah. It's a little like Mafia, but it's a tile based game. So like you, you have an android. Everyone has an android and a human, and you have to go around the space station and explore it until you find the nest. And you have to get like four gas card gas cans worth of fuel to to burn it down. But one of you is infected, and every time you meet up, you can infect someone if you're the. Infected. 
infected. Mm-hmm. So you don't know how many people are infected and how many aren't infected. So it's kind of like mafia a little bit, but it's tile based. So you move around, pick up items, shit like that. So I got it for twenty five bucks. It was five bucks off. So that that was cool. Um, yeah, and I got a, a couple of review copies of games that um, we'll, we're definitely going to play. Uh, one was Shadows of Estrin, the French medieval horror game yeah. with some steampunk elements. Like there's this whole like. S- crazy mad science thing called magic science or something like that and yeah that looks really cool but most of it's like medieval based so i'm gonna look up my own collection of medieval horror stories and ghost stories and kind of try and base a scenario on that and do at least a one shot of it and uh then there were the big one i've already posted the interview i did with kenneth hyde about this knight's black agents and oh yeah I've- uh, the you're basically a badass uh, espionage you know jason warren type and you find out vampires are real they're they, they have this conspiracy and they know that you know so you have to do something about it or they're going to kill you so it has rules for building a conspiracy so you like start at the low level and work your way up the food chain you know investigating this lead to this lead this lead and the more that you investigate the better you are and and, um, so yeah, that looks really cool. I've started reading it. I'm gonna. I'm doing some work on setting up a Yakuza based game where it's in the Japanese underworld. Uh, of course, and, of course, you would. Well, it'll be modern day this time. It's not gonna be post World War Two. So because you know I did so well in the last one. Well, You're it is gonna be. Gonna, well, it is gonna be post World War Two, like sixty some odd years later. Yeah, it'll be the here and now. It'll just be <laughs> still Yakuza based. So uh, that'll be fun. And uh, I also picked up a uh, got a copy of Fantasy Craft, which is. Uh, you, you know, Spycraft. Mm-hmm. Um, they did basically a fantasy version of Spycraft. Yeah, I flipped through that book in the room. Yeah, and it looks really cool. And I'm going to be using some elements of it for the upcoming campaign we're doing, which is the Fortunes of War. Yeah, uh, which is going to be Iron Heroes based, and basically it makes Chinese fantasy, Chinese like swords and sorcery, Conan kind of being badasses and having merchant shit in it. So that was, it makes me anyway. So I'm going to be using fancy craft for that. Uh, there's also the Mistborn RPG based on the series of novels. Jason's been reading that. Hopefully he'll, uh, run a one shot of that. It looks, it's a fucking big ass book Mm -hmm. with a lot of setting material. Uh, so that looks really cool. And then Godlike, I uh, got a, a copy of it from Mark Drink because, you know, I ran games. It's like, hey, the one game I don't have. So I think I already mentioned that. Um, then uh, Hollow Point, which is a, a cheap indie RPG that got a bunch of any nominations for best writing, best game. And it's like being a badass and like the conflict is whether you can work together as a team or you go mm. lone wolf. And so I've already figured out what I'm going to do for the Hollow Point one shot. You're all badasses, and you have to kill the Twilight Clan. Like, you have to kill the Twilight Vampire. I'm going to be I'm a so league, there. league of Extraordinary Gentlemen Hollow Point Edition. So, like, that's it. You have to play a heart action movie badass. And so I'll probably run that as a one-shot. So We're uh, there. Yeah, you have to kill vampires that sparkle. And, you know, uh, well, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> and Jay Caleb, I told Caleb that. Or he's like, I'm just going to kill everybody. If I play in that game, I'm going to kill everything in that town. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, whatever. Um, First action, burn it to the ground. Uh, then I picked up a couple things. Uh, invasive Procedures, a Fear Itself horror adventure, also for Trail of Cthulhu. Uh, I've been reading very silent, hillish, uh, set in a hospital. You're all patients. Uh, bad things happen for some reason, so uh, I don't want to spoil anything. I'm gonna run. This is the first game I'm going to run, and holy shit, it looks great. I've been reading it. It's like, holy shit, this is awesome. Uh, not for you guys. It's going to totally fucking suck for your characters. <laughs> Ross is going to be smiling. Yeah, I'm going to be like, oh my god, this thing that happens to you, it's going to suck. But for me, I'm like, holy shit. This is really clever. Um, anyway, uh, also Strange Eons 2, a collection of Call of Cthulhu adventures. 
set in different time periods. There's one set in ancient China. There's one set in the Civil War, America's Civil War. Yeah. One set in the future, or no, um, set in, uh, I'm sorry. Um, no, there is one set in the future. There's also one set in 1950s. Uh, there's also well, there's a bunch of them. Yeah, I think we both we also both picked up the same uh, Call of Cthulhu supplement. Oh, which one? Because we paid in cash last year. Uh, the new one from Arc Dreams. Uh, the Unspeakable Oath. No, the one Glancy gave us. Oh, I didn't. That, that was bumps in the night. Yeah, you- I, I, I got a free copy of that. Yeah. Uh, so that. Yeah, there's a. Uh, uh, Glancy talked about one of the scenarios in there where it's just we had to do an awful thing. I think he's talked about this on the on Unspeakable. I know, yeah, th- yeah I know what you're talking about. Um, and he just that said, will no, be... like, like this, we did it, but yeah, wow, you have to run that, Tom, uh, since you have the book. Uh, the last thing is the, the graphic novel, uh, uh, graphic novel adaptation of the Mounds of Madness, uh, which I'm oh, reading right I now. I own that. I bought it at Barnes and Noble. Okay, well, I saw it. It's for there. T- it was really good. Yeah, no, it's really really good. great. Uh, so that is all. I know I picked up a bunch, but a lot of those review copies, a lot of it I was just already owed and blah, 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 like godlike. And a lot of it was cheap. So, uh, we got stuff. Yeah. So this, we got, we got a lot of stuff to run this fall. A lot of new games. Where you're, uh, where, our, our actual play podcast is never going to run out of stuff. No, it's not. No, I've got such a backlog. I know you guys are like, ah, I'm a monster. So <laughs> we all are, uh, yeah, one thing, you know, before we go go on to your letter, I would like to talk a little about, you know, uh, uh, just thinking about Gen Con in general. Uh, one, for all of the uh, listeners out there who haven't had a chance to go, go at least once in your life. Uh, but I think, you know, you can actually sort of I, – I, I guess I want to say level up your Gen Con skill. You know, like yeah. you learn more about how to be more efficient at Gen Con. I don't know. I mean, what do you – what do you think in general of this Well, year? I mean, obviously, yeah, I would say, you know, like, I remember our first time we went with someone else. Yeah. And, um, you know, we were, of course, I remember, like, both of us were just, oh, like, there's so much stuff here. Look yeah. at And then the second year, I mean, I think we weren't quite, you know, like, we're going to make this better. It's just, it was pretty much like, hey, we're going to go in again this year. And this stuff, we're going to drive down there on our own. Yeah. And then slowly, I mean, every time after that, because, I mean, that I think the second time we stayed there was the most expensive time we were there. Yeah. Because we booked a hotel room outside of the con. I mean, same hotel, but it's one of the ones they didn't set aside so it was like jacked up yeah so uh yeah i think and we're still learning we're there's still like i mean we were driving back we didn't get we barely got out of indianapolis and we're like okay i think we got i think we uh we've all taken some notes i think we're ready to (laughs) to do this better next year yeah so uh any kind of like for you i mean what is the best thing about gen con i mean is it uh I, i'm guessing just well i guess it's for you getting to chance to meet ian and violet the the podcast fan they're, yeah ian and violet i mean it's not i we've given shout outs out to them it. but they're just they're great yeah so, they're so much fun to so be it's around a social time you know? social time also i love traveling even yeah. if it's to a place i've been to before right so, i mean just being in indianapolis was fun yeah because uh, Indy, like they've really opened it up, like they've really oh yeah, built I mean, up actually, the convention I, center. Fun, and the, fun story. Yeah. My, uh, my my parents went on vacation uh, yeah. in July, and on the Gulf Coast, and they were there. They met a couple from Indianapolis. Yeah, and it's like, oh yeah, our son is, goes to this convention. They're like, oh Gen Con. I'm like, oh, store owners downtown Indianapolis love that con. Yeah, because they say, uh, yeah, they said they had some friends who have a restaurant in downtown. They say that during that time. Say, like that's pretty much the one they get in the black. Yeah. 
I can believe it, especially this year. I mean, uh, one thing uh, I would like to mention, I would like to give a shout out to, would be the food trucks. I only got to try one this year, but they all smelled delicious. They're right outside the convention center. Uh, oh yeah, that, you got to try shawarma, didn't you? Well, that wasn't at a food truck. That was at like an yeah. actual restaurant. It was called Alibaba's, and it's only a couple blocks uh, away from the convention center. It's like right. Like, you know, the Capitol building, mm-hmm. it's like directly east of it. Like, there's this right. uh, street right in the middle of the like. Anyways, so Alibaba's, yeah, Jason and I had shawarma that was good. Um, but there's also these food trucks, and these food trucks have uh, like gourmet mac and cheese and like um, a bunch of other things. I had like, uh, there's a Cajun place or, you know, Southern food, and like I had a catfish po' boy that was really good with some coleslaw. And it was just a good, light, yeah. fast meal, you know. So, and uh, oh, I gotta uh, mention, that, of course, you know, the Noodle Company, which has become one of our favorite places. Yeah, I wish Noodle Companies were here in Spring. Oh my God, yeah. Oh my God, Jesus. It's, it's so fucking good. So, Aaron, yeah, what yeah. about you? Um, um, yeah, actually, talking get with in the same light with uh, Tom too. Yeah, the social aspect of it, uh, particularly just with the uh, RPPR listeners who come to the meetup too. Because oh uh, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, we've uh, yeah, because uh, a couple of the other two that I almost talk to constantly now um, on the forums, uh, Tad um, and uh, Amish Ninja, they're almost kind of preset my games to uh amish actually managed to get into my last game that i ran which nice. i was really happy about because yeah apparently the benefit of running the daytime games is that like about the third day people are so inundated with other things that there's a good chance that some people may not show up and yeah. i had three open slots which four people came in and said hey can we come in sure it worked which worked out pretty well um, but of course, seeing Ian and Violet, which is always fun to hang out with them as well. Um, also, getting to talk to the developers too, because um, talking to Glancy was so much fun. Describing it, the it always is. Oh yes, talking the uh, talking about the scenario because I gave him the rundown of both uh, of of Nim again because he asked about that, but also the new game. And I love his comment was that Aaron. Apparently, you're the nicest player in the world. But when you, somebody gives you a little bit of power, you become a vengeful god. <laughs> which, yeah. I, which I responded, I didn't think it was that bad. You put them in a war zone. <laughs> okay. Just a little bit, yeah. yeah. Um, and, of course, the vendors, too, which if if I can actually give any any advice on that is that, yeah, the first year you're going to be overwhelmed if you go into the dealer room just to see what it is there. But every year after that, you know the people who are coming back almost on a yearly basis, so you can actually kind of uh, streamline your process. And then to go to those specific booths, like get over to Arc Dream, go over to, for me, the Doctor Who booth, um, yeah, yeah. post-human. And then you can spread around a little bit and say, hey, this catches your eye, talk to them for a little bit. Or do the other thing like did. Like I said, I tested out the Naruto CCG because I was bored and I had time to kill before one of my right. games. So I said, you know what, might as well. See, this was the first year where I really felt like I didn't have any much, like downtime. Like I didn't have much wasted time. I had just enough to eat. You know, and change back so I didn't carry like I was uh, uh, so, you know, I, like I had the video camera, the audio recorder. I'd go, you know, record something, then drop that off in the room, go grab my game stuff uh, to go run a game. And so I was really uh, lucky that my schedule worked out so well. Uh, but I would like, yeah, you brought up the RPPR meetup. And that was another definitely a highlight of the meeting of the thing. We all played Kill Explosion. Uh, Kill play test Kill Explosion. And got some good feedback on it, and uh, we did play it in a very noisy place. I had to leave halfway through for a uh, meeting, uh, yeah. a freelance well, we, writer thing. Actually, yeah. I want to say, I used that to my, my advantage. I had one yeah. of the most fun moments. Yeah. Is then uh, we broke up essentially into two groups. One group played kill, finished the Kill Explosion game. Yeah. Then Ian and Violet took another group to the side, and we played the laundry. Yeah. And I will say, I love that setting. 
the because, laundry. Uh, yeah, the, you need I, to read the novels. Well, I will, but yeah, the way I, one thing Ian told me is, all right, and I says one thing I know you will love. This is the clo- this is the game where you can get the closest you can to being allowed to play a ghoul and actually have it work in a Call of Cthulhu <laughs> game. And I said. That is a really good thing to tell me. <laughs> yeah, uh, it is. Because it, I love that in the laundry, there's human resources and they have inhuman resources. <laughs> they actually have a department for hiring non-human creatures. Right. So uh, it's a – so how did the, the – well, we can talk about it in the antidote, but the scenario worked out pretty well. Yeah, it was, a, it was a simple scenario. It was essentially um, chasing down some rogue agents that, as it had turned out, were doing some unauthorized magic and managed to managed to snatch – Three time traveling Yithians out of out of their journey and have them possess their bodies. Mm. So, like, essentially, the three badass agents now were now possessed by Yithians. Whoops! And we're trying and that we're and we're trying to get out. And Ian had them where, as the Yithians, you know, inhabited them, they could also use their skills as super spies. So essentially, we had like a, we had a Jason Bourne agent who was had a Yithian inside of him. Nice. The thing is, we actually negotiated with them nice after a really long drawn drawn out battle sequence nice That's so it's like i love that i and i love that magic is is like a math is like a math is mathematics right right uh and like they, and instead of spell books you have like computer devices computer devices yeah yeah so uh yeah the kill the kill explosion game um i it, it after i've designed kill explosion i didn't intend it to be as complex as it was but it is it is what it is you kind of have to make a certain degree of complexity complexity to make a pvp yeah, game especially and you, need, and you need to be able to hear what the other players are doing yeah that was the thing we chose a noisy location we won't make that mistake again next year and, oh and uh, yeah other than the other than the uh, request i'm gonna go kill aaron this time yeah everyone did kind of dogpile on you right at the beginning uh which i thought was pretty hilarious but i kept dodging them so yeah no it no. worked out pretty well and I like like and um i like to get i also like to thank the hyatt for having a cool mezzanine yeah uh, no, nothing else, mind you, but their mezzanine is so perfect for gaming. It's like they designed it that way. Yeah, it is. It, just it, it is a nice one, atmosphere with there. plenty of cheap. I mean, especially that pizza place that's open in that lobby like all night. <laughs> yeah, because there's. I guess they figured out. You know, there's a lot of gaming nerds out there at three in the morning wanting yeah. food. Yeah, and there were so many. And I was just walking by the mezzanine, looking in the trash cans. Yeah, and there were just. It's like hundreds and hundreds of those pizza boxes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is pretty uh, good, uh, convenient food to have. Uh, so, uh, yeah, late night gaming with cheap, bad food and uh, good that is, company. That, that is gaming. Yeah, that, that is, is what it is. Yeah. Good company, bad food. So uh, that Good is, company, cheap, bad food. That is. That is. So um, we, uh, this was, yeah, our best Gen Con yet. Uh, only, they only seems be like on they, top they, by next year, obviously. And they keep but, getting better. Yeah, they well. keep getting better, uh, you know. So in uh, the next, uh, so I guess in any uh, final words or anything for about Gen Con this year? No. Enjoy the enjoy Gen Con twenty twelve. Yeah, it might we, be. Well, the even last. if you don't get to go, you're going to get a lot of good stuff from us. So um, next up, we have a letter from Tom. We do, and then we will have shoutouts where I will talk about the other nominees um, because they all deserve a mm-hmm. shoutout. They're all really great podcasts uh, for best podcast, um, and a few other things. And of course, we have anecdotes where we will talk about some of Aaron's. Aaron's adventures. launch at Gen Con. Uh, <laughs> Aaron's adventures. So uh, this is a literative episode. So we'll be right back. <laughs> well. 
Well, Gen Con 2012 has come and gone. Fun was had, friends were met, and imaginary villains were vanquished. It was truly an amazing experience, and I look forward to this convention every year. Of course, we had better enjoy this year, hadn't we? Considering that the world will soon be coming to an end in December of this year might throw a shadow of discontent over next year. Still, I hope the impending doomsday doesn't sour your anticipation of next year. I encourage you all to come in 2013, despite the possible hazards that might come up. I will be there in the shattered ruins of what had once been Indianapolis, there to experience the joys of gaming with the best people on Earth. True, we may not be human at that time, reduced to subhuman mutants by the powerful energies of the apocalypse. Still, I will be there where hopefully my new tentacles and slime-oozing skin will make die-rolling that much more fun. But I digress. I do feel the need to discuss one thing from this year. I was wandering the dealer room, going through the bazaar of geekiness, looking for something to spend money on. Money is the devil at Gen Con, and I felt I needed to relieve myself of all of it. And then, through the huge crowds and booths full of gaming bliss, I saw it. Saw it in the distance. I missed it the previous year, maybe due to some cosmic misalignment, but this year I saw it. Palladium Games, with shelves crammed of the books I started my gaming career with. Anyone who has been a regular listener will know of my early gaming career, and Palladium's part of that. We were an unstoppable dynamo of fun and adventure for so many years. But then the awkward college years came, and where I grew up, Palladium didn't. It continued down a destructive path of lethargy and addiction to a bad system that I just couldn't follow. I tearfully cut ties with Palladium almost a decade ago, never thinking I would see them again. Oh, sure, we played two or three Palladium games in RPPR, but those were for nostalgia, remembering the old days. So imagine my surprise when I saw them there in all their old glory. And to my surprise and delight, they looked pretty good. Not like the good old days, but good. There was a lot of new content for all their game settings. They had even gotten some new artists, and the art was very nice. Kevin Sembietta himself was there, and I got to swap a few words with him. Just chit-chat about how I started my young gaming career decades ago with TMNT and other strangeness. I even bought a new Nightbane book for them, autographed by the author. And while the artwork and writing was much improved, it was still the same old Palladium system. It was like running into somebody you knew from your past, someone you used to have a lot of fun with, but then things changed. It became impossible to hang out anymore, and you left tearfully and with regret. Then years later, you see them again. They still do the thing you couldn't put up with, but they have cleaned themselves up quite a bit. It's like they were an alcoholic earlier in life and used to violently throw up and stank it like a sewer. Years later, they still drink, even getting a bit like you remember. But they don't throw up, they bathe, and their clothes are clean. Makes you glad to see they're doing well, but still with no desire to hang out again. That is what it is with me and Palladium Games. I am glad to see they are doing okay. They still have that place in my heart of being my first game, and it always will. And their new writers and artists are very good. I am glad they have adapted enough to keep going. But I still cannot abide the Palladium system. I will not play their games, at least as far as systems go. But I do not rule out running some of their brilliant settings in other systems. I'm glad to see you are doing well, Palladium. I can't hang out with you, but I will always have you in my heart. I wish you good luck with any future plans. Sincerely, Tom Church, Palladium player from 1987 to 2003. And we're back. We are. So, uh, yeah, you said you'd run the settings in your letter. So, I did. Yeah, so that that's the first step. You're going to, like, run it. Ross, until uh, the day uh, comes, like I, I, I actually make you make Palladium characters for a serious game. I don't think we have to worry. Okay. All right. 
You know, I think just as a, a token, we really should make a hyper, get like a hypodermic needle and just have palladium printed across it so Tom can put it some, him near him somewhere at any given point just to, just to visualize What are you addiction. talking about? You don't yeah. take palladium through injection. You take it anally. Uh, all right, it. this metaphor is getting a little uh, blurred. So, uh, <laughs> anyways, let's talk about the shoutouts. Um, I would like to give uh, uh, my shoutouts are going to be for the four other nominees for best Co- podcast. Uh, I was curious about all of them. I think I met some of them at the the award ceremony. They were kind enough to invite me to sit with them, and uh, they I, I can't remember who did. They all were very polite, and you know, I so I listened to all of them, and um, I think that they're they're all really good podcasts. I mean, they're all really well made and uh, I was really impressed by uh, a lot of them. So I just want to go describe each one. Um, I just listened to the latest episode of each one. So the first one I listened to was Law of the Geek uh, and it is uh, two lawyers who talk about legal issues related to geekdom and fandom. Okay. Uh, so like they talked about, you know, how fan fiction, the copyright status of fan fiction versus the original thing. Like, could there be an infringement lawsuit for 50 shades of gray versus twilight, you know? Mm-hmm. And like the episode I listened to is like catching up on a, a, old issues, uh, or old topics. So it was interesting to get sort of a broad, some of these issues I'd heard and brought, uh, broadly, but, you know, these are people who know what they're talking about, and you know, it's a good, uh, you know, very well done, uh, very well. Uh, the podcasts have good rapport with each other, and uh, I was, you know, very it was very interesting. So, you know, if you, I, I, I would recommend at least go into the website and scan through episodes, see if there's an, a topic that you're interested in, and like give it a listen because it's a, it's a very focused podcast, obviously. You know, right. like legal issues and geekdom. You know, law of the geek. So, uh, you know that either you'll be really interested in it or you won't. You know, really. <laughs> so I don't know. I uh, uh, thought it was really cool. Uh, the next one was haste, which is the uh, they were the second place winner. They, this is the. Uh, podcast of the Obsidian Portal, which is yeah. you know the campaign keeping uh, website software. So they have their own podcast. It's a shorter podcast, only fifteen twenty minutes long, and they do kind of a broad thing where they talk about you know things related to Obsidian Portal. Uh, they had Gen Con tips. They had uh, they every episode they get somebody from Twitter to ask them a question. Uh, this one was kind of a humor saying like, "What do you do with a drunk sailor in the morning?" Uh, so it, they had a couple like, "Kill him and loot his body." I think was one of the answers, which is. <laughs> obvious you know like what else would you do well if he has if he has a cool pirate voice you make him talk for you constantly (laughs) okay as we did with you ross uh, of course, yeah, that's true. That, yeah, that, that, they're like, there's a thieves guild up in the mountains. Let's ask the pirate for his advice. Like, <laughs> yeah, <"God> damn it. <laughs> that that is, yeah, I've noticed that when you when you guys do that, it's your uh, fault for doing a cool voice. I know, I, I shouldn't do that again. So, um, the next one was uh, Genisodes. Uh, mm-hmm. It's obviously a podcast from from a woman named Jenny, uh, and she interviews people each episode. And the the only the only thing I would criticisms I have is that her website doesn't have a whole lot of information about her or the podcast. Like there's just like episode, you know, 120, like there, she's already 120 episodes. Like they, they yeah. she does it every week. Like, you know, we're lucky if we do one a month cause we're, you know, lazy ass monsters. Yeah. But she, she, she has a really, she interviews people, game designers. She asked, uh, you know, and she has a good style. Uh, and it's, you know, very like look through the guests, see if you're interested in any of them, give them a listen, uh, give her a listen. It's a, it's a, uh, very well made, uh, podcast. I, cool. I, 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 it was very enjoyable. So, uh, and finally, uh, iron, GM. Do you know what Iron GM is? The Iron GM competition. Have you heard yeah. of this? Do you? I, I think I've heard about it. You've heard about it. What do you know about it? 
You you just heard the name? I just heard the name. Okay. Uh, I didn't know what your frame of reference was. So uh, the Iron GM competition is basically something to do at various uh, cons. They had one at they have one at uh, Gen Con, obviously, where they basically uh, try to see who's the best GM. And what they do in order to do this is like they give you a bunch of random elements. You have to make a scenario for it, and then you run it for random players. And then the players rate you, and whoever gets the best rating and the best scenario write up wins. Is my understanding of it. I don't have like I. I mean, I didn't spend a whole. I mean, I, well, th- so that's the basic idea. I Chairman Cog, I better announce it. <laughs> I've, <laughs> you would think. Uh, and there's a lot of prizes involved. Like last year, I gave some copies of Zombies of the World away uh, as a prize, and. It's you know a very uh, I am the best GM kind of thing. So uh, it's it sounds like something that I would have a hard time with because you, you know it's based on how the players rate. You, you have random players, so if you get so the guy they interviewed was you know someone who was a finalist or a winner, I think, and he basically talked about his difficulties, like his normal style versus how he had to do it for the con. He's like, I do long campaigns that are like two to three years long, and I'm. Wow, that's that's impressive. But like, you know, Not, you know everything. My players know everything. They'll know about the 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 culinary habits of the people in this region, shit like that. You know, like holy shit, <laughs> damn dude, that is complex. That is detailed. And like, I then I had to run a game for twelve year olds, and like, <laughs> so I put in fart jokes, and it worked. You know, like it was different. It was hard. Like, and I could see that that they had really good advice. Like doing like shifting styles from like doing a really detailed complex campaign versus. A one shot for like bored fourteen year olds. Yeah, that would be yeah. pretty fucking. That's a pretty like big shift. Um, so it's a very fo- again a very focused thing. Talking about the competition, who wins, how to, advice for it, uh, that kind of thing. And uh, so again, very focused style, uh, very focused subject matter. But again, very well done. Uh, all the podcasts were you know very professional and. You know, they actually, in some ways, are more professional than RPPR because, like, they all had a dedicated music sting at the beginning. Like, mm. they had their own custom made, like, IRGM, you know, like, <laughs> I, uh, that, that, I, I can't even remember what the music is. I'm blanking, but it was something like they, a musician had set down, like, I will make a musical sting that they can play at the beginning of each episode, as opposed to what I do, which is like take a bit of random pod safe music, but like, there, that has the same word in it, the title that we're talking about. Like, you know, it, talking you know role playing public radio yeah we don't do anything like that we don't have that so like we're less professional than they are in some ways like we don't have that but we're all monsters we are monsters i mean like for this episode i'm gonna play the music from the room because that's the song i uh, they played when i went out to get my award so you know (laughs) because i'm a monster you know but uh you brought Tommy White, so they're all worthy things. They all could have won. Uh, they would have all been fine winners. Uh, I hope them all the best, and you know that 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 kind of thing. So yeah, um, we, we did we did win win gold. So we uh, we were happy. We were very happy, obviously. Um, but I hope next year they win. Um, I don't think I'll be entering RPPR next year because you know we already won, and it's kind of a no win like a lose lose scenario. Like we already won this year, so like if we enter next year and we don't win, then that's embarrassing. And if we win, they'll they'll we'll just be that asshole like oh, yes. Yeah, Give me Ross, all the medals, you know. Like, just think about it. We might turn into Pathfinder. Goddamn Pathfinder. Um, so, I mean, yeah, Pathfinder is kind of like the uh, Lord of the Rings of the Oscars. Yeah, it's like I like give to, them all the. Awards. I like, I like, I'd like to thank Pathfinder for not being nominated for this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, to, to, for those of you who don't remember, last year I was also nominated for any for Best Adventure for Road Trip, and of course Pathfinder was nominated for that. So I stayed through the award ceremony for that. 
and literally Pathfinder won every fucking thing it was nominated for. I think they all, I, I don't think they won everything they were nominated nominated for this year, but it was 99. close. But yeah. it was like most of them. Um, I, I, I don't. I, I actually the Pathfinder, left. the Pathfinder booth was huge. Yeah, well, of course it is. I mean, it's a big game. It's very popular. You know, there's a very dedicated fan base for it, um, and they deserve all the success they get. You know, I hope uh, I hope I wish them all the best. But like, they don't need best adventure. I need best adventure. I'm a horrible monster. Give me best adventure. I'm sorry. I'm you were petty. you you were up for against- podcasts. I'll be gracious, but like for. The one I don't Sorry, want, Ross, I'll be you petty are a puppy up against Godzilla. Yeah, basically. Uh, their their fan base is much larger. Uh, so that's the innings. Yeah, I, and I also left very early after. Like, I, Podcast was literally the second thing they called for the awards. So, like, I was like, okay, I've got this. I'm, there's two hours left of Samaria. Well, I can listen to this or I can go play Call of Cthulhu with Scott Glancy. Wonder what I'm going to do. Yeah, so. Uh, well, of course, I want to thank all the Indies people for actually running it, having a really nice ceremony and everything, and giving me a nice medal and a uh, uh, little plaque. And um, but yeah, all the podcasters, all four that I just mentioned, give them all a listen. Uh, they're all really good, uh, and I wish them all the best. So that that, that takes care of that. Um, I know you had two shoutouts. Uh, yeah, the uh, HBO I got one. The, yeah, I got as a, the HBO. I got the deep box set to the HBO miniseries uh, Adams or you know John Adams. You know, Paul Giamatti, Laura yeah. Lenny, really great stuff. Yeah. Just, uh, it's not quite the dead, not quite Deadwood. We're like, wow, like, did you know that cowboys used to swear? <laughs> this, this was like, wow, did you know that the founding fathers disagreed yeah. a lot? Yeah, the thing about Deadwood that I've always found interesting is that, you know, they use motherfucker and, you know, but also, all these other, yeah. like, Really intense profanity, but they actually like I've read a historian say, yeah, cowboys did swear like that, but they didn't use those words. Different words were considered profane back then. So like you read what they actually said and it just sounds kind of funny today. So they actually had to adjust the dialogue to make it like dirty for today's audience in order to make yeah, it like to get the point across like, that these humbug, are like humbug used to be a really profane word. Yeah. So you have to really you have to like adjust for time. So anyways, that's, but uh, but this one is like very good. I mean, it starts obviously like. Like the first episode is like set during the uh, just during and after the Boston massacre, and it's like just really great, you know, really great stuff with, uh, you know, because I like there, that guy from that thing. Yeah, there, no, it's uh, Paul G- Paul Giamatti's great, but it's yeah. also the all the other people like the, the guy that does Jefferson's great. Yeah, the guy they got to do Franklin was great too, and uh, I also love it. It's, it also shows that wow, the colonists were kind of dicks too. Yeah, like when they tar and feather some. You know, customs agent, British customs agent. Yeah, and it's not—it's not like just pouring warm tar. No, that's really hot, burning. Yeah, yeah. it burns flesh off. Yeah, it's not a nice thing to do. No, it's I think not. I was like, I woke up this morning. I'm just gonna go to work today. Do do do. What could go? Yeah, like, like I'm just. Freedom. Like I, I'm just enforcing the laws of the empire that we're supposed to hold sacred. And uh, wow, oh. there's—it's me. I have no bodyguards or any horrible evil soldiers protecting me. It's just me. Trying to do my job, and then three hundred colonists tackle me and yeah. cover me in boiling hot tar and pour feathers on me. Oh, I'm going to die. Yeah. So uh, finally, I would like to mention something we listen, we listened to. Uh, I mentioned this back in March, uh, but we finally got around to listening to this. This is called Claiborne. Uh, oh yeah. 
So yeah. uh, why don't you talk? Since we actually listened, to, <laughs> it's eight hours long. I miss. I I thought it was like three hours long. I missed Red. Uh, um, yeah, we I, st- we started shortly after yeah. Terre Haute on the way. Yeah, back. we listened about two and a half hours of it uh, to episode thirty three out of ninety six. So about a third of the way through. So why don't you talk about? Oh. Well, of course, it's yeah, it's kind of like a radio drama. It is a radio drama from yeah, Radio it, New Zealand. Yeah, like those broadcasting fees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, Essentially, it starts like as this American, you know, going to check out. It actually took a while to realize, oh, radio station, because he just kept saying station. Well, it's a communicate, like according to it's the, a communications company. Yeah, yeah, it's like a satellite thing, like a satellite uplink station. But it's, like, it's like, like not like a not like a you know like KW, KWX three, you know, yeah, 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 oldies. It's like an actual radio transmission station. Yeah. Took me a few episodes to realize that's what it was. Yeah, it's kind of vague at first, but basically he goes to. But this, he goes to he goes to the small town Claybo- Claiborne. Yeah. to uh, check this station and spooky shit starts happening. Yeah. At first, there's also a lot of hazing the American. Yeah. And uh, I mean, and and the the characters are real. All the characters are really well done. Yeah. And uh, you know, you enjoy hearing from all of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's the Maori uh, tribesman, his mm-hmm. the uncle, and then his nephew, and they have a really interesting kind of like tense relationship. There's yeah, the, like the mayor of the town, who who's also the richest guy in town. Yeah, he owns the station. Yeah, uh, he wants to uh, do this uh, like Maori world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know the the nephew wants to do it because like it's it's going to be you know it's showing our cultural heritage. And the uncles like they're just like he just want he wants to parade you in front of tourists to make money. Yeah, no, there's there's a lot to it. We've only we've we've sort of gotten into the thick of the plot, but we haven't like uh, and uh, there's a lot of like like New Zealand like culture and and you know, yeah tribal customs that are really yeah they cool. talk about the Maori customs. Like they have a big, uh, uh, they they welcome the American meal. I guess no. I don't know, if, like a picnic kind of thing. Yeah, but they, it's basically they're welcoming, accepting the American as you know a welcome guest. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and there's some there's some Twin Peaks shit going on in there. Some kind of lost shit, like yeah. you know, weird. But like, and there's and shit. there's and there's also like twelve different small plot lines going on at the same time. Yeah. And it's the best part. Like I'll link to it again. It's on archive.org. It's totally free. You can download all eight hours of it. Uh, as just MP3s and just listen to it on whatever. It's each episode. The only annoying thing is each episode is like five, six minutes long, and so they have the intro and outro for each episode. But then so yeah, if you're playing it, you can just fast forward. Yeah, you can you can just skip the outro. You know, uh, then the music is very Twin Peaks. Yeah, the very music is very Twin Peaks. Uh, so it's if you like, yeah, uh, radio dramas like Claiborne is great. It won some awards. Yeah, and, though the thing is, it's funny. I actually think the guy they got to do the Americans just a New Zealander doing an American accent. Oh yeah, no, he, sound, he you, sounds you, like Ray Romano. Oh yeah, no, you totally tell like that like that doesn't sound exactly like an American like mm, yeah but I love that's what we're judging it's like I don't think that guy's American yeah no he totally totally isn't but it's still great I love how like it's a New Zealand thing it's all about New Zealand it's all about like the difference between the the the, the European descendants and the, the Maori and all the tensions there and all mm. the supernatural going on and it's like the American's the plot device like he's the he's the destined he's the chosen one there's a fucking <laughs> prophecy about the guy showing up and like oh the America showed up oh you could save us all Mr. American yeah. like but there's a I love of- even New Zealand drama has the same bullshit that our dramas do like where it's the American it's the white guy shows up like oh Solve all your problems, native people. You know, like. yeah. I know, but I also, but I also love that you know, like 
this the other plot's like you know you're you keep like there's like 20 episodes and there's like the mayor of the town is just this rich asshole until later you find out oh he's actually has almost no money of his own his son has all of it yeah 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 and his son's an even bigger dick yeah there's there, yeah they they I love they they do the thing in really great dramas where they set up something but you realize they they reverse it you know like oh this is the the bad guy but oh no he's got another layer you you know you keep peeling back the onion mm-hmm. and there's a not more depth to it so there's a, yeah. there's but and there's, fun with and fun with music coming from radios and oh shit. yeah yeah incidental sound uh it's, yeah it's really well done it's, it's really, one of those like i mean i was like dave and i, I we're all like okay we'll give this a listen yeah we realized by five episodes in we're like we i can't wait to do the next one Keep it going. <laughs> we were hooked yeah uh so it's really fun and uh we'll be listening to the rest of it later on but yeah probably probably run a game in new zealand and claiborne sooner once we listen to the whole thing uh so it's not an earthquake it's not an earthquake <laughs> yeah uh so yeah we're only a couple hours in there but yeah god damn claiborne is good so, Good job, Radio New Zealand. Yeah. You you rock. Those broadcasting fees were well spent. <laughs> um, so I think that's about it for uh, shout-outs. Uh, so finally, we have the anecdotes and uh, Aaron's adventures at Gen Con. So, uh, it's, it's like Aaron Adventure Time. It's oh. Aaron Adventure Time. Yes, it is. Um, we're, we're, we'll, uh, Does that have, make you Jake, Tom? Yes. Yeah, pretty much. I'm the Shoggoth dog. So what we'll have uh, – uh, there were two games. First off um, – was a Call of Cthulhu game, or no? Uh, yeah, the Call of yeah, Cthulhu the Call game of was Cthulhu first. Sky, Sky Glancy games. Uh, well, we won't spoil the whole thing, but you know we have the whole recording. We'll be posting it soon. It was World War One uh, in Belgium. We were civilians investigating a murder. A Ledsman, or I think that's where we're at. Uh, Levain. 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 Okay, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Levain. Um, Le- yeah, Lesbian is in uh, Lesbian's, Portugal. Uh, Portugal. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Geography. Jeez, not yeah. me. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> Jesus. Um. So basically why don't you you talk um I don't know I don't I don't want to spoil things but uh, there there's just the way your character it's, a, it's a, it, I know it's it's hard to describe in it's this It's basically case. Well, you got yourself separated yeah. from the rest of the party and you got to reveal what the supernatural element of the game yeah, was. Yeah, I w- managed to actually cl- Without like what was yeah. your intention? Like you were just pursuing the bad guy or the person. Like what what were you thinking at that point? Oh uh, well, <laughs> at this point in time, well, like, cuz we had gotten into what was it? Hour. It was almost hour six of the game. Yeah, it was a yeah, six-hour so one. It was a, a six-hour one. Um, I can uh, uh, should I even re- just reveal the character I was playing, or should we? Yeah, reveal okay. the character. All right, yeah, because right we're all basically explorers in Bel- we are all investigators in Belgium. Uh, part of the game that was investigation was the murder of a priest. Yeah. Um. So my character was a Dutch reporter, one of the few female Dutch reporters at the time, who was very well renowned for her work. But of course, she's a female, therefore she is kind of ostracized for right. that. Unfortunately, nineteen fifteen. Yeah, in nineteen fifteen. So, um, but. Long and short of it, without revealing too much, we had tracked down the main supernatural threat. We had confronted it at its house. And uh, while the other players were basically strolling through the house looking for items, um, which I probably should have been doing since I had rifle skills but no gun, um, I decided, you know what? Fuck it! I'm going to act as my as my normal role as canary in the mine shaft, which yeah, uh, yeah. which Adam Scott Glancy had yet to see me do. Yeah, so, this is true. Yeah. Um. So I ended up going into it the, into the opposite room, confronting this person, and uh, through a couple of missteps, including managing to blind her with a flash powder that I had thrown in the air. Yeah. Um. 
she ended up escaping through, into a basement and trying to go through a secret entrance that was being opened. Uh, I tried to to uh, ram her into the wall, and of course, I pulled a me and critically botched, which meant I fell down a flight of stairs, broke my leg. Once said entity came after me, she threw a knife, hit my other leg by a random happenstance. And yeah, that was all she wrote. Yeah, yeah that was all she wrote. We'll just yeah, have yeah. to listen to the other one. But, but the other I, one, I don't think we really need to care about so much about spoiler because yeah, that was that, the shadows of Estrin. Estrin. Um, but I, okay, so we we wake up in this really horrible place, this underground dungeon type place, and we're under attack already. We, we don't, don't know way, how we got we there. Don't remember, we don't remember anything. Yeah, we, we don't, don't remember know our names. names. We, we have our skills, but that's about it. Yeah, we know each other kind of sort of. We kind of know the people that were attacking us, but yeah, so it's really fucking weird. We don't. So we we get out of attack. You know, we 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 run away basically, and we we're trying to escape this place. And we come into this giant. We eventually come in after many you know weird things. We come into this giant room with all these giant vats in it you know it's like this big industrial processing place. yeah it was part of it. and what happened was um one guy one of the, there were six of us playing yeah. uh you me tom um, ian, ian violet and, and two others two people that the gm knew yeah for that they were brought within yeah, the game so too, like so. we had a huge party and one of them um gets hooked by this tentacle basically this plant tentacle that grabs somebody by his foot and starts dragging him away and so i i go off and chasing and then this giant monster centipede attacks yeah drops the, the rest from of the, the party, ceiling yeah. and then starts attacking the rest so of like us. we're split up already even mm-hmm. though we're in the same room because like i'm trying to save this one guy and the rest of you are dealing with this giant fucking thing and so we're fighting there's this horrible combat and then like tell like Talk about your character and the, your critical uh, okay, success. Yeah, uh, your well, critical hit is the, the yeah. The, the first thing I, I wonder about, I loved about this character was that um, looking at his skill sheets, uh, sheets, sheets, uh, they had them split up a little bit differently than normal D anD. d It was like creativity. Um, that's like other skill sets and whatnot. It was interesting, which is one of the, one of the things I like. But the way it was set up, he was pretty damn strong, but he wasn't that great at fi- fighting. But he was. He was very poetic. So I somehow came up with Conan the Bardarian, the warrior poet, which I ended up using a little bit. But uh, when we were doing the fight against the centipede, of course, I had already kind of used the one fire trick that I had done it <laughs> earlier. So it was basically slash at it with a with my claymore, just keep going at it. I had no other real choice because I couldn't get around it. So we just kept going. And finally, I managed to hit two critical successes Cleaving it in twain, it, spl- uh, it, it it split apart, and it's at that point that our intrepid GM decided to tell us that it suddenly gave birth to hundreds of children as little as basically miniature giant centipedes come rushing at us. <laughs> That's what I love, and we're sitting here going like, "Fuck me! What are you expecting?" <laughs> I love it because you get a critical hit, and mechanically it's no different than a critical fumble for most players. I know. Like, you made it worse by doing better. I like, know. It was just... so great. And, you know, I, I'm not on – I get a critical fumble uh, trying – like, I get attacked by another tentacle thing after hacking off the first one, uh, saving the guy. And uh, I get pulled up into this giant barnacle thing that, like, just eats my character in one hit. Oh, no, it was basically Audrey 2 from Little Shop. No, I was hanging with the scene. It was like a barnacle from oh, It was a barnacle. Okay, I thought it was just a Plant, it's a but, plant barnacle, okay. like, but it was hanging from the ceiling, pulling things up with the cynicals. It, no, it was just completely ridiculous. Yeah. Mandibles tore me in half. Yeah, so uh, it was you know, pretty. Justin squirting out and everything. No, you used your luck points to. Well, still, but I was like uh, one more. I was still trapped. Yeah, 
So it was pretty bad. And this was uh, like two. Oh, sorry. Yeah, this was like two hours into the game, <laughs> or two or three. And then, of course, we we find out. Hey, this was a dream sequence. This is the yeah, first part only, of yeah, it. It was a midnight, and we didn't play through the rest of the scenario, which is unfortunate. We had to drive back the next day. Well, Ian and Violet had a flight at six. Like mm-hmm. if it, like we could have just slept in. Like it wouldn't have been that big of a deal because like you know we could have gotten up at eight or ten or whatever. But Ian and Violet had to get up at like six, so like you know playing until three would not be really cool with them. So we had to end it there. Uh, it was really fun though. It's a really fun system, but I just love how you both games. You you just have this knack for doing the most awesome like awesomely but deadly thing to a player character, you know. And it's it's it's, it's a talent. And yeah, apparently so. And and as you'll probably find out when the Glancy game goes up and when this play t- if this playtest goes up, we made the joke uh, for the first game. Uh, when I fail, I succeed. Yeah. And the second game, when I succeed, I fail. Yeah. <laughs> so, pretty much. It was great. It was it was an interesting one. And yeah, Glancy. That was he almost. I don't couldn't tell if he was just happy or pained by the fact that he was doing this, and me sitting off the court going, "No, I'm okay with it. I'm yeah. used. It's called Cthulhu. I'm uh, used no, to Glenn, this by you're now. a good company. I've been yeah. killed by Glancy as well. So <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know if I. I don't know if I have. No, you haven't. Because you're Tom. Yeah, mm, that's true. I mean, I've been killed. I've only been killed by Glancy once that I can remember. So you know, star vampire. No, no, I, I fell off. I was being chased by a star vampire. You, saw, you, you fell off a zeppelin. Yeah, I fell off a zeppelin. Yeah. Um, so uh, that kind of wraps up. I think that kind of summarizes uh, uh, Gen Con in a lot of ways. Twenty twelve. Yeah. So um, yeah, well, the last one we'll experience with this world in our physical forms being the same. <laughs> of course, because twenty twelve, yeah. uh, my apocalypse. So uh, as you're. Uh, uh, so uh, this has been RPPR episode 77, Gen Con 2012 wrap-up, and we'll see you guys next time. Thank you.